Houston, you have a problem. Problem. You see, I promised my little girl that I'd be coming home. Now, I don't know what you people are doing down there, but we got a hole to dig up here. everybody welcome back welcome back to the analysis we've got a lot to get to today so i'm gonna cut right to it i got a couple buddies with me that i've recently asked to come out to the coast we'll get together we'll have a few laughs right guys you did it yeah you did it <laughs> <laughs> so with me today i have and i'm going to introduce him first because he had to go second last time in introductions but i'm going to introduce again back the king of the rom-com mr adriel Mello. thank you i i do appreciate going first it did not go unnoticed i wasn't going to say anything but i wanted to see if you're going to make things right so i do okay. appreciate it the wrongs have been righted perfect <laughs> And, of course, going second in his rightful place, Mr. Matt Battaglia. That <laughs> didn't feel good. <laughs> and you guys are back, and we're going to be doing another thrilling session of A Case for a segment that has been sweeping the nation easily. And honestly, our most listened to podcasts now have officially become the Case Fours. So it I, actually is a segment that is sweeping the nation. I wow. thought for sure he was going to say that the most listened to podcasts were when me and you were guests. That would be nice. Unfortunately, be nice. no. We but should get a name for this duo. This we'll one, on this one's going to be huge, and it's going to put you guys back on the map. So we are here to do another segment called A Case For, where we profile the career of an actor. We do that by picking our two favorite movies, our two least favorite movies, underappreciated performance or movie that they're in, as well as do some alternative casting. And today, based on my lovely introduction, we will be doing a case for... Bruce Willis, baby! Let's Bruce go! Bruce Willis! Bruce Willis. And I want to first get you guys get you guys to be talking about and shout out of a canon impressions that you guys had when you guys were doing your research for Bruce Willis. And Matt, I have this big spreadsheet full of actors to choose from. I brought this back to you guys. First, you guys chose to do Matthew McConaughey a few months back, and this was your second choice, Bruce Willis. Can you kind of talk about Bruce, Bruce the Goose, and why you chose him today? Um, I chose Bruce Willis because, well, there's a, a couple other actors that I chose, but Bruce was one because uh, he defined, and we'll get into this a lot, obviously, when we start to talk about Die Hard, but he defined a generation of action star heroes. So when we were little kids, uh, we would play whatever, guns in the basement, and we would choose people, and I was always either Bruce Willis or Wesley Snipes. I don't know if Wesley Snipes has the filmography to get a case for, uh, but Bruce Willis was my guy. Um, a little cross-race casting there as well. Yes, <laughs> fact. Okay. Um, and there's also a handful of rewatchable movies in the Bruce Willis uh, Rolodex. Yeah, of course, of course. Yes, and Mello, we'll get we'll get to you next. What are some of the uh, first just thoughts and feelings you have when approaching a conversation about Bruce Willis? Can we talk about? Did Matt get to pick Bruce Willis? Is that kind of here? Bruce Willis. Matt this, did pick Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. We are now wrong together. <laughs> Dang we, are, it. we are back to being wronged in that. You, I, I was unaware that I was on a podcast chosen by Matthew Bataglia. Not that I'm, I'm not mad at Matt. 
Matt's not who I'm upset. Now with. you're upset with me I'm again. I'm upset at you. Okay. There's something that I noticed going into this podcast was we you have three people here who really enjoy being the center of attention, <laughs> all trying to share one hour and fifteen minutes with a spotlight. <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't work. The formula should fail. I and Mello's always always slighted. Okay, I am not so as pro Willis as if. If you were to go through my picks and what I have to say about him and some of the movies that he's been in that I love, you would not know that I have this opinion. I'm not really a pro-Willis guy. Okay. And the reason being is that if he existed 30 years later than when he did, he would have zero shot at being an action star. No, that's a fact. Interesting. That's Could a you really imagine cool. Willis going up against Statham and, uh, and Daniel Craig? For a role, you know what I mean. The only the only comparison I would give to him and Statham is they're both bald. Right, but like what I'm saying is those guys, they're hunks. They're just straight man chiseled hunks that like can actually kick and jump and run through things. Like as much as I love Bruce Willis, I mean, no. we I have I have an uncle that looks like him. You know what I mean? Like okay. my man's not bringing anything special action wise to these films. So. Not that I'm anti-Willis, but, anti so, but I'm really not necessarily pro-Willis. That's a really good point that, that kind of goes to why I like him and he has appealed to me. <laughs> it's because he's very down-to-earth, right? And he has an every-manness about him yes. that I appreciate. Yes. And I feel, and I honestly like a lot when I was going through the process of doing this, I'm, I feel that he works really well in sci-fi movies. Yeah. And I think it's because his every-man nature grounds the movie and it kind of allows all the craziness yeah. in the sci-fi world around him to to exist, but it's not such a damn cartoon because he's in it and he grounds it. I'm totally so, with you there. So, so he is he is in a handful of sci-fi movies, but with the action movies that he's been in, he is the everyman of action movies. And you're right, he doesn't work anymore. Because if you think about action stars now, number one, they're jacked, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Number two, or they know like the like they got state, moves. like the state that he's got, got the moves. They or got the British, or they drive things. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we'll get into that. But there's a there's a quality about him. He doesn't overreach. He's very matter of fact yeah. in a lot of his yeah, performances, yeah. and I've always really appreciated that about him. So with that said, that is my transition into the filmography, just to give us some 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 foundation for us to work with at least on his filmography before we go into our picks and just a side note before we get into filmography we are going to we all have agreed that die hard needs some extra attention today so we're actually going to change up our format slightly here we're going to be doing our two favorite bruce willis movies that are not die hard movies we're then only going to do one bad movie our least favorite bruce willis movie then we are going to spend some time just talking all about Die Hard. We're going to we're going to give it its own its own piece of the podcast. Then we're going to come back, do shout-outs and underrateds, and then we're going to go into alternative casting. So, with that said, to give us a platform, he started his career on a on a mid-80s show called Moonlighting. That's really where he broke out and became a star. In terms of features, uh, in 1987, that was his 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 first kind of main feature that he was in. It was a movie called Blind Date. 1988 he's in a movie called sunset right before in late 1988 he is john mcclain and die hard moving on in the late 90s he's in in country and look who's talking played the voice of mikey the baby and look who's talking classic cinema then after that he plays john mcclain again in die hard 2 
He then is in another sequel, Look Who's Talking To, T-O-O. After that, he is in a huge blockbuster flop, which is The Bonfire of the Vanities. It was a number one selling book. They ended up making it into a movie with him, Morgan Freeman, Tom Hanks was starring. Ended up being an absolute nightmare. So in a big flop there. Uh, moving on, we go into Mortal Thoughts. Hudson Hawk, he won a Golden Razzie for Worst Performance of the Year as Eddie Hudson Hawk Hawkins. And moving on into 81, he's in Billy Bathgate, The Last Boy Scout, and now without the years, The Player, Death Becomes Her, where he stars alongside a very notable Meryl Streep in a, in a kind of a wacky comedy, death reincarnate kind of comedy. I don't know if you guys have seen that. He is in Loaded Weapon 1, which is a spoof of Lethal Weapon and, and other cop movies. Then he's in Striking Distance, Color of Night, the movie North. Have you guys ever seen the movie North? Interesting movie there. And then in 1994, he's in Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction. He's also in Nobody's Fool with him and Paul Newman. He's then in Die Hard with a Vengeance, Four Rooms, Twelve Monkeys, Last Man Standing, Beavis and Butthead Do America. He's the voice of the jerk in that. The Fifth Element, The Jackal, Mercury Rising, Armageddon, The Siege, Breakfast of Champions, The Sixth Sense in 1999, The Story of Us, the Whole Nine Yards, Disney's The Kid, Unbreakable, Bandits, Hearts War, Tears of the Sun, Rugrats Go Wild. He's the voice of Spike the dog in Rugrats Go Wild, apparently. <laughs> Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, The Whole Ten Yards, Ocean's Twelve, Hostage, Sin City in 2005, Alpha Dog, 16 Blocks, Lucky Number Slevin, Over the Hedge, he plays the voice of RJ the he's like a yeah, chipmunk or something he's main character Rem, yeah hammy or something like that we're talking about uh, that later okay great perfect uh, after that the perfect stranger uh, grindhouse planet terror he's in live free or die hard what just happened the assassination or, uh, excuse me assassination of a high school president 2009 he's in surrogates cop out the expendables red catch 44 moonrise kingdom which was a wes anderson movie the Expendables 2 is in Looper in 2012. Very nice movie there. Uh, then after that, he is in A Good Day to Die Hard, G.I. Joe Retaliation, Red 2, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, Rock the Casbah, Precious Cargo, The Marauders. He's in Split, just for a moment, at the very end. Spoiler alert there. Once Upon a Time in Venice, First Kill, Acts of Violence, Death Wish. And then in 2019, he will be making a sequel to Unbreakable called Glass. So that is the foundation. Lots of talking from me in terms of that filmography. He's been around for a while. You guys feel okay? That's exhausting. <laughs> Perfect. So with that said, that is our foundation. Let's get into our two bests. We'll go to the man who's been wrong with our first favorite Bruce Willis movie that is not Die Hard, Mr. Adriel Mello. I wanna, I wanna immediately take a movie away from Bataglia and take the steam from and the wind out of his sails because I know we both have this on our list. Trash. Top favorite movie, not Die Hard, Armageddon. Let's go! Oh, oh my gosh! Absolutely okay. fantastic. Kills it. Let's go one time. Bad radio. We just high five. <laughs> okay. 1999. Jerry Breckheimer. Get your popcorn ready. There's, there's comedy, there's action, 
there's heart, a lot of heart, and you have to be made of goddamn stone not to cry at the end when Liv Tyler's sitting there, Dad, no, touching Dad, the screen, the screen Daddy, no, the screen touch, selfless move to save that bum Ben Affleck at the at the end where he sacrifices himself. AJ is a fantastic character. In AJ, movie. right? Okay. We don't want to take out. We don't want to. Take away from AJ the character because Ben Affleck. AJ is not Ben Affleck. AJ is not Ben Affleck. So, uh, my apologies. That's on me. That's 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 my take. But all around, it is maybe the most rewatchable movie in the history of cinema. The history know. of cinema. In the history I've of cinema. Actually bold take button. <laughs> the bold take button. The most rewatchable movie ever in the history of cinema. I usually have a hundred, maybe one fifty rewatches on that. I am not hyperbole. I will go on record to say that is the movie that I have rewatched the most times ever. Of any movie, that, including Die Hard. Die Hard's probably a close yeah. two. But Armageddon is not even on purpose. Armageddon just—it's on, it's on TV. You, it's on TNT right now. I would bet my you life turn on, on TNT. It's and on you right can now. jump in at any point and just enjoy <laughs> the shit out of it. There's so here are some of the things, and I have great. I, you guys are going to be surprised because you probably thought I was going to trash Armageddon. I really liked Armageddon. It has, hey! a place. <laughs> it has a special place for me. And again, I rewatched it recently. It's yeah. on Netflix. If I would have gone into that movie as a 31-year-old man, seeing it for the first time, it would not. I, I, I would not be saying that. I but, am curious who pitched the movie and who signed off on it, and then who thought it was going to work. Well, this like, was during a time where, do you remember, they also made another meteoroid, yeah, Deep Impact. Deep Impact. So this was like very, it was very oh, I hot. remember. That was, the, uh, that was the trash Elijah Wood movie, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Straight trash. So, but yeah, so this was kind of the, the world is ending movie. And some of the things I like about it, and it goes, it kind of goes back to that everyman and that groundedness yeah. that he has. Where, I mean, the movie is absurd. Like the, 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 the thrusters that they want so they can walk <laughs> around. They're drilling for oil. There's a lot of wackiness about it. Yeah. It's very, I think it's very self-aware. Okay. But Bruce Willis has a commitment to it. That really, really, I, I think it. makes it work because there's can, can, one of the great the moments when during that screen touch, the Liv Tyler, that the the daddy saying goodbye to his little girl. Yeah, he has just a single tear fall, and he doesn't like overdo it. So he's like, "Gotta go now, kid." Um, so with the everyman thing is alpha. I wrote that word down like five or six times. Um, so the ensemble plays into it really well. You have a group of oil drillers going to a meteorite to drill a hole in it to save the Earth. It's an absurd. Uh, thing, but you take these on. So you got Bear and Michael Clark Duncan. You got Owen Wilson. Oh, you got Ben Affleck. Early Owen Wilson. Wow. Bro, led by ass. led by oh. the alpha that is Harry Stamper, Bruce Willis. Right. There's a scene in there that I called out where Billy Bob Thornton has just brought Bruce Willis, and Another he's great and he character. and he's showing him uh, he's showing him the the drill that they stole from him and trying to see if he's gonna sign on. And Bruce Willis does two things in that scene. One, to the smartest man on the planet, that Billy. Bob Thornton calls out. Uh, he says, you did a piss poor job putting it together. And he goes, you said we did a bad job putting it together? He goes, let me guess. You've been tearing up rotors. It's got your, you got your cams all wrong, Mr. Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Great line. Right. The, the stretch that he gave an engineering lesson to the smartest man in the world, I'll, yeah. I'll give it to him. And then puts I'm the head of NASA in his place when he's like, what's your contingency plan? He's like, my contingency right. plan? He's like, your, your backup plan. You gotta have a ba-. He puts the government in their place as a redneck 
oil driller. I'm sure <laughs> it's happening who's, to this day. Who's rich? Actually, they talk about so that's plays, overlooked mm, in that part of the movie. He plays a a genius roughneck oil yeah. driller. Yeah, yeah. The, the the genius of this man is kind of downplayed because he, he, he brings that every man to he it. makes a reference in that movie when he's talking to ben affleck because ben affleck gets fired and he moves on before you know he asks him to come on this mission with him uh he says listen when you have or right before he fires him he actually he tells him when you have a million of your own dollars in this rig yeah you can run it for as long as you want meaning he has the upfront capital of seven figures to be putting into these oil projects so i think they we think they're downplaying him a little bit. I think low-key, if you look at the subtleties of this movie, he's a wildly successful oil driller. Think about that rig they're on in the middle of the sea. Multi-billion dollar companies put those rigs out there. He's just one guy. This is the Harrier Stamper Co. He gets so many, to, to Matt's point about the lines, Yeah. he gets so many ridiculously cheesy blockbuster-ass <laughs> lines in this that he just knocks out of the park yeah. like he's taking BP. Yeah. He's just, he's like, I got, hey, let me tell you NASA something. I promised my little girl that I'm coming home. Houston, yeah. you have a problem. Yeah. Problem, problem. I'll give you one to that exact example. He comes back to ask Ben Affleck to help to go into space with them to run the other team, basically. <laughs> and he's just like, he's like, you know what, AJ? There's not one job on this planet that I want you to work with me on. Because it's going to take place oh, on an yeah, asteroid. Yeah. And then he turns to the camera space. and winks. <laughs> and then he's like, well, what's the job? Why are you here? Hey, and hey. they pan away. Anyone else? I'll agree with you. They'll fall flat on their face, but he nails it. Yeah. They, he the Bruce Willis with the wise cracky shit. And that's the moonlighting stuff. And I haven't yeah. watched a ton of moonlighting. But that's really a lot of that, like... Those zippy little one-liners, but he's he's really one of the best at them, in my yeah. opinion. They uh, they their whole point of the movie is they're trying to get you to not the whole point, but they're really trying to get you to to trust Bruce Willis. Like Ben Affleck is like Harry doesn't know how to fail. Like that's the whole thing behind Harry. He's like you put a task in front of him. I swear to God, I will make hundred. I have I've never, never missed, missed a step that I've aimed for. Do you swear on your daughter's life that you'll make that make that free? I will hit. I will hit eight hundred feet. And honestly, they did it, man. I trusted the entire yeah, movie. I was bringing on. In that movie, uh, Bruce Willis playing off Steve Buscemi is what oh, That's what I was going to say. Real quick, before we move on, who is the all-star after Willis? Steve. It's Because it Steve Buscemi, it, he's what, that kind of performance what Steve. made me get into supporting characters when yeah. I was going to do my acting yeah. career. It's like, this guy is stealing these scenes, man. They just want to feel the power between my legs, brother. brother. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> there's uh, there, the, <laughs> there's also a lot of uh that guys in the movie so like uh what's uh the, the captain's name the guy who drives uh the willie sharp yeah, yeah willie yeah. Sharp. the he's bank like, the bank guy in dark Knight. that guy's he's, awesome. he's literally that guy in everything he's David in. Yeah. Like, oh, that guy. something like yeah. that yeah. um will patton is in it they the, the blitz Oh, uh, yeah. right. He plays Chick, the, yeah. the gambling Vegas guy. problem. But he has a really nice scene when when they're all they're all kind of doing their last thing before they're about to take off. Yeah. And he goes to his wife and he's like, "I got something coming up. Something kind of big. Something kind of big. Yeah. Just can you give him this for me?" And he, and he leaves. He leaves the yeah. the we rocket. We gotta tell him. Yeah, it was really. Nice. I also have a theory about Bruce Willis. If his hair is ever slightly longer, because normally we see him with the buzz head. Right. If his hair is ever slightly longer, it's a little bit more of a serious movie. You're supposed to take him a little bit seriouser. Okay. So like uh, yeah. in Disney's The Kid, his hair's a little bit longer. All right. Because he's you know. Bu- Buscemi when the when the cops 
they helicopter in. Well, the army helicopters onto the oil rig. And he goes, I swear to God, Taylor, she, she never told me how old she was. <laughs> yeah, I that's lose it. Like, as a kid, you don't really get it. And as a grown-up, you're like, oh, my God. I got to have you guys back when we do the case for Steve Buscemi. Because the, when they're doing the inkblot test, women yeah. with small breasts, women with large breasts, <laughs> you with breasts. <laughs> God, he's got all this, and then and then when they're in the strip club, and he's like, "Hey, Mr. Clean, why don't you go buy yourself a neck?" Why astronauts? All right. And when they land, he's the only one with problems still. Like they just yeah. saved the world. He goes, uh, "Yeah, I owe a hundred grand to this badass oh, bookie, and I spent all on a stripper named Lola." Oh, it's yeah. like, ooh, that is bad. All right. Well, so Armageddon, Mello's number one choice. <laughs> the most we've ever gone. Also, into. also mine. Okay. Well, what's your second number one then? My second, this is a tough one. Um, I'm going to call out the whole nine yards. Oh, okay. I don't think we'll spend as much time there. Um, we started to talk about like those like goofy and quirky one-liners. They do a really good job of Bruce Willis' character in the whole nine yards. It's, it's Matthew Perry kind of ruins it. Um, but he plays this mobster. He's got all these weird quirks. He hates mayonnaise. Uh, yeah, put the his, mayonnaise on the bun. Yeah, yeah. His, his, great his, monologue. His, his, his ex-wife. I think his uh, his character is really good, and it's a little bit different. Um, we're nor we're normally used to seeing him be the divorced cop with borderline Old alcoholism. Cop. Okay. Yeah. And in this one, he's Jimmy the Tulip Tedeschi, who's got kind of a heart. He's a he's a serial killer who hates mayonnaise. So that was my number two. I well number three because Die Hard. I, there's really not a ton in the, the movie or the performance that stands out to me in the list. I So recently I've started to watch Brockmeyer, and so Amanda Peet's in that. Oh, yeah. And so I went back and watched Whole Nine Yards just because there's some Boots. nice Amanda Peet scenes <laughs> in there. I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know if it, it deserves any, to be on the top of a list. Like, is there anything he does? Because he's still kind of just like a tough guy. What's, what's the difference between Jimmy the Tulip and Harry Stamper besides that they, they have, one's a gangster. One's borderline psych, well, I guess they're technically in Armageddon. He literally says I'm borderline psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> That's that line. Uh, I don't know. And I think in Whole Nine Yards, when he's playing that, um, psychotic unhinged type role you would think that normally this hitman is supposed to be this hardo um who doesn't break who should be more of a harry stamper type and this one he's he's not and he flips out at the at the drop of a hat and but then he gets along with this dentist in matthew perry who's really quirky so they kind of play off each other pretty well i've just seen that kind of like Every, every man gets involved in the mom and the comedy yeah yeah i did but i've seen that in other movies i don't I, I appreciate your, your 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 approach. I disagree. Go ahead, I, Mel. I just kind of missed the run of Matthew Perry movies. He he just they really tried. You missed them they, or you missed them? I miss it. Okay, like you want them back? I oh, I just I love the little spark of light that happened in space. I mean, did he fizzle out when he should have? Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, again, they gave this him is a we can thank Percocet for that because he got hooked on some pills. <laughs> <laughs> Almost heroes with Chris Farley. They gave him a shot. They, so they tried Salma Hayek. Fool's oh, Russian. Fool's Russian. Classic movie. Okay. The, the king of the rom-coms is back, baby. He's back. He's do, you think, do you think it's ironic that he spent years in the early 90s talking about Die Hard as Chandler with Joey on Friends, and then he's in a Bruce Willis kind of no, rom-com No, I'm sure comedy? he leveraged it to get him on the role, and then he leveraged his relationship with yeah. Bruce Willis to get him Bruce the guest Willis, star on Friends. Bruce Willis didn't get paid for Friends. 
Okay. It was like a bet, right, or something? Yeah, he yeah. lost. He lost a bet, so he had, was on like five episodes. Oh, because he was like he was Rachel's boyfriend for yeah. a minute or something. They were boys yeah. after that movie. Okay. Well, I, I bet they're still boys. I bet they're still good friends. Yeah. Shout out to you guys if you're listening. So for me, my number one, and you guys know I'm a sucker for the dramas. Yes. So and and, and it's really hard because there's some movies. So from in my opinion, his best non-diehard movie that he's actually in is Pulp Fiction. It's actually one of my top ten movies I've ever seen in my life. With that said, that's not a Bruce Willis movie. I would say both the Travolta storylines are even running one and one a and and then the butch storyline kind of runs after that so although his performance in that is gritty and it's kind of it's 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 cool and that's an awesome movie i can't say that's a willis movie so in terms of the bruce willis is leading the pack almost armageddon style i went sixth sense number one think about it this is the first Shyamalan. so we know a lot of shitty Shyamalan down the line yeah. but this is the yeah. first of the, the and and i'm almost going to Tarantino this and work backwards the ending of that movie still in my opinion the the shock waves and the oh my god the ending of Sixth Sense I can't talk to you about it right now until you see the movie but I'm I'm still feeling it days later yeah that to me was pretty fantastic and put it on another level and then that it's kind of a little bit of an acting departure for him he's very tender Right, he's got he's got a ton of backstory after that first scene where he gets shot, and he's got a whole lot of baggage that he's carrying with him through the whole movie. But yet he's got to relate to this kid as a psychiatrist, earn this kid's trust. You know what I mean? The, the, like the, the, all the the nuances of that relationship and becoming a mentor to them, and then leading it in to that ending. I just think it's an awesome movie, and really, it's it's Shyamalan's best work. You could tell that a lot of his talent went into that project, yeah. and he's been trying to like st- stretch it out over the last twenty years. That ending was so good that it ruined the rest of Shyamalan's career because he kept just trying to recreate yeah. a twist in everything he did, and it just bombed every time after that. But yes, to your point, it was incredible, and it's not cheap. It's like, not, no, if it's you not. go back and watch it, you see the breadcrumbs being laid yeah. by it's, it's the movie. It's one of those that bother. Like if I were to watch that movie with somebody else who was seeing it for the first time, I would be on eggshells the whole time that they were going to pick up on the ending throughout the movie. Because yeah. when you watch it again, you're like, how did I not pick up on these things? Um, we can say that maybe Bruce Willis made M Night Shyamalan because any movie that he's in, the two, of two of the best ones, Unbreakable yeah. yeah. too. The yeah. only reason I didn't have uh, Sixth Sense on my list was because I'm big on rewatchability, like like we've talked about. And Sixth Sense, I think it's really great. It's it's I mean it's be- it's a better movie than Armageddon is. You know, yeah. what I mean? if you're just watching it as oh. a film, but, but also just a Bruce Willis performance. Right, correct. Like his performance, but after like watching it twice, you can never see it again. You know, you watch it once for the twist. You watch it second time to see the breadcrumbs, mm-hmm. and then it's really cool. And then there's nothing for you the third time, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I mean, I'm, it's it doesn't have the rewatchability as an Armageddon, but, but it I is still, great. But it I, is when great. I went and rewatched it again, I was like, I was like really appreciating it. And then I just saw Hereditary, Tony Collette's in that, and yeah. she's the mother, she's the boy's mother in this, and the whole scene in the car with 
with the mother and the the bumblebee pin and stuff like that. It's just and she actually got nominated for this movie as well. Haley Joel Osment, the kid. Yeah. That's one of the best performances I've ever seen a little kid do. Yeah. And now he kind of looks like Matt Stafford. He's got a very <laughs> fat face. <laughs> he kind of looks like Matt. That's awesome. He's he's he is not aged well. But in terms of a little kid, I mean, that's a really tough. That kid's in every scene. Yeah. He's talking in every single scene. Yeah. And it's a, some really heavy drama in that. Yeah. Yeah. There's some scary stuff in there. It's pretty spooky, but it's dramatic. First time I saw it, I was a little kid. I was terrified. When that girl, like, he looks under the bed. Misha Barton. It's Misha Barton. Is it really? That's Misha Barton. The little girl with the the puking girl. Oh, my God. That's her first movie. that, That was the reason when I would leave my bed in the morning or whatever, I would jump, like, five feet out, just in case. Yeah. There was two twists, because there's the twist that the mother was keeping the girl sick the whole time, and then, of course, the Willis twist. Man, that was a good movie. That is a good movie. Anyways, on to you, your number two pick, sir. My number two is on the theme of rewatchability. Okay. Fifth Element. I'm all in on it. It's my two! I love Fifth Element! Bad radio, more high fives. (laughs) I fucking love Fifth Element. I cannot believe you have this on yours, too. Dude, I... There's not one movie that isn't always on TV, like as a kid, so... Bruce Willis does have a special place in my heart in that a lot of his movies were on non-cable television. As a young child, Mello grew up in a very foreign household, and they do not believe in cable. They think it is a waste of money. And thus, I had the basic channels, Armageddon, Fifth <laughs> Element. Those two were the, the channels. Those were the WGN guys. A lot of top-end movies that, that got played were those two, so... Fifth Element has just been something that's always been in my heart. Uh, a very young Mila Jovovich in it. Jovovich, yeah. And uh, anyway, she's like the perfect woman or whatever. It's got like sci-fi. They got weird guns. Yeah, Chris Tucker. Yeah, you got <laughs> who lights it up. This is, the, this is again to my point that I made at the top, but he's grounded. You're right. And he takes it seriously. It, and, and again, he's got to have some sentiment. That scene at the end where yeah. he's talking about love and how love is important. And there's there's some nice moments that he has in there. But the 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 wisecracking, he's still an everyman. He's like a space cowboy. Yeah. He's very, Bruce Willis is very much like a modern cowboy. Yeah. That's what the whole yippee ki motherfucker thing. But like he's yeah. like he he is kind of a John Wayne. And that's why it's really cool when you put him in a setting where there's like galactical, all this insane stuff happening all over the place. It's really an absurd movie, but he brings a realness to it yeah. in a weird way that really makes it work. Right. And I think he's just made so well for sci-fi. And it was it was I, I was battling between this one a little bit and Twelve Monkeys because yeah. I think that's also a really cool performance he's had. That's very sci-fi. Right. And even. Sixth Sense is kind of sci-fi e. Yeah. It's more of ghosts, but it, it but his his groundedness in it. It's in, almost like this is a good thing. It's almost like he's too cool to be there. To where like yeah. in high school he beats up when, when he was in high school he probably beat up the nerds who talked about sci-fi. But and I now think, he's here. And now he's there. But I think saying that he's grounded is uh, really who is the main bad guy in Fifth Element? He's like a Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, yeah. who's Oscar a Oscar winner, just right. won an Oscar. The best is like I so I've seen that movie. That's the second. Probably one of the top most rewatched movies that I have on my list, but um, like the 87th time I'd seen it on WGN, I noticed like Bruce Willis and Gary Oldman never once have a scene together in that movie, and I don't think are ever really aware of each other in the movie, even though they're working towards the same goal. I don't Do think they, yeah. either of them actually know the other one exists. <laughs> 
I'm Man. serious. Like he's yeah. just fighting these random bad guys. He don't know. He doesn't know where the henchmen are coming from. Gary Oldman doesn't know who's thwarting him at all. He's just aware of like he's up against something. Yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> that's really interesting. You say that. First of all, Gary Oldman. This is one movie that now that he's he's this acclaimed, and he's always been an actor with a lot of praise. Yeah, and he and, he, and he's always kind of sat up pretty high on his throne. But he's very embarrassed by this movie. He does not like to talk about it. He didn't like his half-head shaped plastic thing that he had going on? I guess. I thought he was really interesting. (laughs) He did a lot of weird face stuff in this. He has this like creepy kind of Texas draw, but he's from England, so they like didn't commit to it all the way. I don't know why, but You're right, that is weird. But yeah, he I thought his character was awesome in this. And in in terms of some of the other cast, Mila Jojovic, this is her first movie. Yeah. Her first big, so this movie was made by a guy called Luke Benson, yeah. and he had he uh, he's mostly a writer. But this was actually one of the most expensive French movies that's ever been made. So it's actually a French movie. Right. And the guy also had made the movie The Professional. Have you ever oh seen yeah. It? yeah, yeah. With um, he's the guy. Oh, he's in Armageddon. He's the Russian no, cosmonaut. You're no, no, you're thinking That's of somebody That's not the professional? Else. No, 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 no. I think no, I'm right. No, no you're, you can go look it up. So, no. But uh, he had also writ- he wrote Taken, the Liam Neeson Taken. Oh, wow. So, and, and this guy gets a shot at directing. It's a very expensive movie, but Mila Jojovich, anyway, it's her first performance. Yeah. I thought uh, she was great. And then Chris Tucker. When I was younger, <laughs> I hated that performance. Really? I've grown to appreciate it so much that he really s- steals this movie after Willis for me. <laughs> so much so that a-, a while back I had to play uh, the Cobra Commander in a play. It was like a parody play. And I stole a lot of his like mannerisms and, and movements. Just kind of, I made him like this very petulant, uh, almost like metro kind of uh, Cobra Commander. So it was very much like, get away from me! And I kind of had this like, so I didn't do the voice necessarily, but that energy, that energy that he brings and he pumps into every scene, it almost kind of like drives the entire movie. It like gives the whole movie this energy. And the movie's kind of long, but it really like, it really stays in your face. Yeah. It's unpredictable. There's crazy shit happening all the time. I think the scenery is amazing. The fight scenes are awesome. I, you, you buy into the characters, you buy into those relationships. I, and again, it's, it's, I, I think Bruce Willis works really well in the sci-fi, and, and I have a special place for it. I like it. It, just, it makes me so happy to hear you enjoy the two movies that I picked. <laughs> this, is like, this is like yeah. cooking something. No, no, this is like a three-star Michelin chef telling me that he also likes McDonald's with me. Yeah. You well, know what I mean? It's I just, appreciate it. Speaking of chefs, we, we missed something at the top of the podcast. I'm going to rewind a word from our sponsors as we are live from Mike Berglund's Correct. basement I apartment. We are, we are taping from someone else. We are taping uh, live on location at Casa de Berg. So thank you, Mike Berglund and his dog for allowing us to tape at his house. Thank you. So that is a just a great segue <laughs> into our least favorite Bruce Willis movies. So Matt, I'm going to turn this over to you. We've talked about the roses. We've talked about our favorite. What's one that stinks up your your afternoon a little bit if it's on the TV? Well, I'm just going to... I feel like I'll get a quick agreement in this one, given um, what I talked about my favorite, is The Whole Ten Yards. The sequel okay. to The Whole Nine. So uh, The Whole Ten Yards is actually his lowest... 
tomato rotten tomato so it's it's on on here so it's four percent of it, rotten tomatoes it is potentially one of the worst movies i've ever seen so think about and this is this is common i think especially in comedy sequels if you think about like the hangover and the hangover 2 they reuse the same jokes they build off what was funny in the first couple and they just double down there so anything that i liked or you guys didn't like in the whole nine yards they take to the next level so there's a scene where Bruce Willis is dressed up. He's wearing like a wig and he's got an apron on and he's like cleaning the house. So like they take his weird quirks and they like multiply them by ten. Uh, Matthew Perry, same thing. Um, I can't remember. Is there ten times the amount of topless scenes though? With there's the zero topless scenes. <laughs> okay. With the so they... And then uh, what's his name? Who's in the movie? His name's um, his name's totally escaping me. This is terrible. Uh, and uh, research on my portion. Um, but he, this guy, he dies in the first movie. They bring back the same actor for the second movie, and he plays the father of the character from the first movie, just in an old man suit. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> doesn't play well. Not a fan, especially because I was coming out of the gate swinging with whole nine yards. Whole yeah, yards. it's really that's, I, that's really a big swing big for you. Thumbs down. <laughs> okay. Can I talk about how much I don't respect this decision about your worst movie? Why? I think if you commit. To the franchise, False. you have to love I didn't its entirety. To the franchise. I committed when to the you first loved one. whole nine yards. You committed to the franchise to the whole nine yards, not to the second uh, terrible movie. Uh, Kevin Pollock. Kevin Pollock. Kevin Pollock okay. was the guy who plays the the father of himself. Okay, which is that sounded honestly hysterical, and I have seen <laughs> movie. I have seen the whole ten yards. <laughs> And going into a sequel, you know it's going to be trash. False. It's a watered-down version of the first one. The only time it's happened in cinematic history is, what, Godfather 2 and a couple of Terminator other Terminator 2. Okay, mm. two. Twice in the history of sequels. You have to know going into a sequel, it's going to be trashier than the first. You can't have whole nine yards as a favorite all and then dog whole ten yards. All Avengers... You're telling me that I can't dog a sequel that Matthew Perry is in? <laughs> Absolutely not. The movie's but you made in like 04. A movie in the 90s. Perry a 90s Matthew Perry movie. Not an 04-ish. Stick by your guy. Where's the loyalty? I'm a Tribbiani you know fan. You know that. <laughs> I actually think Chandler was the best cast member. Of yeah. <laughs> Wisecracking guy. Works well. So Mello. Now that we have whole ten yards out there, that's the Rotten Tomatoes, the wor- the worst movie that he is is on record for. How about yourself? Oh, what is the least favorite Bruce Willis movie? I'm going with Surrogates. Oh my God, the boys where are, are we, baby? I have Surrogates as well. Yes, high fives. I went into it because I'm a big sci-fi guy. I got a very open mind for absolute trash. You don't need a good plot line to get me. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of things working in movies' favors. When I walk in that theater, mm-hmm. doesn't take much to win me over. They could have got me in there for surrogates too if it was halfway decent, but this thing was was bad. I didn't like the the premise of one. I didn't like. So this is like early Avatar conversation before Avatar, right? Where we're in the future, some like dystopian. We're s- in the future, Bruce Willis. We're yeah, in the future. Is. And basically, you instead of living your life. Um, you go into these pods and you virtually control like a clone of yourself or a better look, basically a better you, looking Or you version. could be a woman. A lot of people yeah. just upgrade their physical appearance, but sometimes people get weird with it. Yeah. It was kind of like half of, um, and it be- what's, what's, uh, what's that Disney movie with the rope? Wally. It was, it was like a cross between Wally and Avatar where like society is, is basically not walking yeah. and moving their own life anymore. Like everything is done for them. Robots. 
And the Avatar pod thing was used before Avatar went and used it, where you control some yeah, some other through being. your brain. Right. Yeah, you're controlling some other being. And so then there's a murder, but the some through some way they fry the brain of the person in the pod. So the yes. the, 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 avatar, the avatar died, the surrogate died, but also the person in the pod. So Bruce Willis plays like an FBI detective that's investigating these murders. Yeah. And the worst part about this movie, it, first of all, the plot it. It goes very paint by numbers immediately. Yeah. It's once they once they get into it, you know exactly where it's going. It's it's the most structural like recycled structure yeah. that you could think of. The second thing is Bruce Willis's surrogate has this blonde hair. Yes. And you you're talking about Bruce Willis in the whole ten Dude, yards in a wig. Bad. This is the worst looking Bruce Willis I've ever seen in my life. And it's a surrogate, so they like do this. Black-ass like makeup, face. plastic face. Yeah. He just looks like shit. And you've got to, it, most of the movie is the surrogate guy. It's not the guy in the pod. It's right. not like bald, greasy yeah. Bruce Willis. <laughs> so you've got to watch this like fucked up looking Bruce Willis like Ken doll for two hours. And it's just, oh God. Not to mention the action is just who gives a shit. I really, really, really was angry, angered by this movie. When I saw it. So yeah. I have to agree with you. That's my least favorite Bruce Willis. And it's also like like we talked about, there's the everyman quality yeah. that we love about Bruce Willis. There's that grounded that we like, that grounded nature of Bruce Willis. He doesn't overreach. He's overreaching in this motherfucking movie for sure. There's it's nothing grounded about anything that was happening in surrogates. I don't uh, think you can even rent it. Like that's how bad it is. People honestly, don't want it to be rented out there. I've honestly never seen it. And it sounds like I'm making the right choice. Yeah. yeah you're good. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So now the previews are over, gentlemen. We've done two best. We've done worst. Time for the main event. Time for the main feature. We're going to talk a little Die Hard now. <laughs> so, Die Hard, guys. Bruce Willis puts him on the map, makes him an A-lister, allows him the, the capital to go out and buy all those Planet Hollywoods. <laughs> it is really at the top, in my opinion, of the action genre in terms of everything. Let's start in here. First impressions of Die Hard, Matthew Battaglia. I think the first time I probably saw Die Hard was probably like, I don't know, I was probably like eight or nine, right? So the movie came out in, I think it was 88. Um, so this would have been, you know, 10 years after that. Um, I remember being a little kid and, you know, what? I don't know why my parents let me watch Die Hard at the age of eight or nine. Because um, it's a rite of passage? That's a really good point. Because your dad uh, wanted you to have fuzz on your nuts? <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a beer too? <laughs> Smoked a cigarette, watched yeah. it. Um, some of the things that I think work great are the, the he's closed off from the world. I don't think we have action movies like that anymore. And I think when they recreated the rest of the Die Hards, they couldn't do it with that element anymore. But he's in one building, nowhere to go. There's no one who can really help him. The cops are trying to from the outside, but they can't. It's Bruce Willis versus 13 terrorists locked in one building that is the perfect formula for an action movie and he's not wearing shoes. Think about this, guys. Think about when Die Hard's made. Okay? The late 80s, 1988. Yep. The action scene leading up to that was cartoon. It was Commando, it was Rambo, it was one-man armies killing 300 dudes. These guys were like a machine. Yeah. Right? This movie changed the face of action. 
This is one guy. He only kills ten dudes. It really keeps it pretty contained to your yep. point, Matt. He kills ten dudes in this movie. Okay? It's, again, he's not there with an agenda. He, he hasn't gone undercover. It's not super hardcore. He's going to visit his wife. And he's forced to. Like yeah. he's, he's literally forced to. He's he doesn't want to be a hero. Right. But he he's like, doesn't this want to be job. in the building. Yeah. yeah. He comes out to the coast. I do Not like, the coast, it is a nice know. touch that he doesn't have shoes on the it's whole thing. It's a great touch. It's, it's, it's really, like, you don't appreciate that as much when you're little as you do when you're an adult. Like, can you imagine walking around like that? He had to step on glass. He's in slacks, a wife beat. Yeah. <laughs> And no <laughs> shoes. And I think, to their point, they did keep it really contained in that they intro him as just a cop. And a cop, you know, a really good cop, could take out 13 guys. Could he take out 300 like Rambo? Absolutely not. That would be too far-fetched. Like, if it was just, like, a whole building of terrorists and yeah. blah, 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 and he had to escape the horde or some crazy like that. But it is. It's 13 guys. He does some like, light Arnold investigator. kills that in 10 minutes in yeah. most of his movies. Oh, yeah. There's in 10 one dudes room. gone. In yeah. one room and, and <laughs> with one hand. They've yeah. remade that, that formula with like uh, that uh, Gerard Butler movie where he's in the White, White House down or yeah. something. They've remade but Cliffhanger, they, Speed, but they always give One Man like, Against the Terror... Like, One Man Against a Small Number of Terrorists. They right. After this, they really started cranking yeah. out a bunch of the Air Force One. Yeah. Oh, Speed is a good movie. Like, Sudden Death. There's a bunch of movies Ooh. where it was like one guy, like yeah. a small number of terrorists, yeah. one atmosphere, right? Air Force One, it's just the plane. There's right. a couple... There's yeah. like eight guys, right? They, they, they replicated this formula... Over and over and over again, it really reset the action genre. People were like, "Oh yeah, give me more Die Hard and give me Under less fucking Siege. Commando." Uh, and they do it with all these guys. We're now like in 2018. It's oh, like they got the guys in the Situation Room who are talking to the Gerard Butler character, and they're like, he's a Green Beret with X amount of background. Oh. We know nothing about John McClane. Yeah, John yeah. McClane is a divorced man right. who just wants to see his kids again, get his wife back. Who just happens to now have to take out some terrorists? Right. Well, that was, that was my point from earlier: is that Bruce Willis could not be an action star today because the background in today's action genre is always like he's always some disgruntled, dishonorable, discharged Green Beret, Navy yep. SEAL with like scout sniping training. Yeah, and and they're ripped to shred, and like that's not Bruce Willis. No, and it's yeah, and it, it really is easy to forget how simple right. and how small they came. And they they use the building really well. Like all the kills and all the fight scenes are very practical. Yeah, I feel, and I think just the action. And again, there's no CGI. Like yeah. the, the, everything is kind of done in a practical way. Go ahead, man. There's a scene where he's fighting uh, the terrorist with the long blonde hair, like the main real evil terrorist. Yeah, and he's hitting his head against the wall. And they're like fighting, and something they do is they make uh, they make Bruce Willis breakable, right? He bleeds a lot, and he gets glass in his feet, yeah. his shirt yeah, is dirtier, he's very, dirtier. Vulnerable. He's very yeah, breakable. He's not, yeah. And when he's fighting this terrorist, to your point about it being a realistic fight scene, as he's hitting his head against the wall, he keeps saying, motherfucker, I'll kill you! Which is something you would say if you're fighting somebody that you don't get in other action movies. Normally it's just like perfect fighting skills, and they round off, and then they, yeah. you know, perfect punches. This guy's literally like hitting his head on shit and yelling, I'm gonna kill you. Which I just think is and I like. Touch. I like how he's not a genius. He's like he's he's smart. He's yeah. not an idiot. Yeah. But he's not like a genius. Right. He has flaws. Those are those are some things that I really like. And I and I like. This is perfect for the the things we were talking about in terms of that dry humor, that quick wit. 
But he's not he's not like Deadpool, right? Yeah. It's not like yeah. Joke City yeah. all the time. Right? He's it's just very, a dude. Who yeah. just has funny he's kind of funny, but not like super hilarious. Right. But the jokes situationally work really well. Something that works perfect for the movie too is uh, they play. He plays off the villain really well. The greatest villain of all time. Hans Gruber, baby. We gotta talk. We gotta we gotta talk about Hans Gruber for a minute here. Okay. Is there a better film villain than Hans Gruber? In an no. action movie? I'm gonna say period. You're you're Mr. Hyperbole. You're Mr. Greatest of all time. Can you give me someone a better villain than Hans Gruber? I would like to have been prepared for this moment. Yeah, I didn't get prepared. Uh, Put a <laughs> shot out of a can. Off the top of my head, I'm gonna say no because I'm really into Die Hard right now. Okay. I mean, he he is great. I um, I'm glad. I know that's his normal voice. My only note is it feels like he's make forcing an accent, even though that is. His no, he's making a German accent. He yeah. is an, he's English. Yeah, he's no. that, he's oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Harry Potter? That's his accent. That's oh, his. he's <laughs> Professor Snape. Yeah. We're naming <laughs> Professor Snape as the greatest villain of all time. No, no, we're naming Hans Gruber. Hans which Gruber. Which is Professor Snape. It's, it's Rest in peace. Yeah, right. Sorry, I'm just using this to discredit his, <laughs> his original movie. So, something that works is, so their main communication is over walkie-talkie. Yeah. And up until uh, the point where Carl. Hans Gruber turns into uh, Bill Clay. Bill Clay. For a hot minute. Yeah. Um... And then until the final scene. Um, but they have like a really weird and good connection with each other. Like they they seem formidable villains. Um, and I don't think without... I think you replace the Alan Rickman character with another actor. It, that doesn't happen. So we're not going to get into the rest of the diehards. But in every other diehard movie, the villain sucks. The in, villain is trash. In terms of the war, in terms of the, the over-replacement... I think this is the the one Bruce Willis because I could swap some other actors into other Bruce Willis movies and yeah. the the beat yeah. would still go on. This is the one where you I would not change a single thing, a single piece of casting. I wouldn't ch- change a single camera angle in this movie. Yeah, I think it is is as close to as perfectly made as it could be. I like it too because everything is is to your point not far fetched. It works. Their reason for doing it, the motive, his able ability to overcome. He does some like investigative work where he's like, "I think they're foreign," even though he hadn't like he kind of heard him. But speak. it's very basic cop stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's just like, "I saw their cigarettes. They're they're smoking these Seen foreign fake cigarettes. IDs in my time. Fake yeah. IDs, right? Things that are within his ability, not some super scout training that it took, and all of it, just top to bottom. It laid to your point the framework for for what everything in that genre was going to be including great ones because there's a lot of remakes and and trash where they just try to reuse the same formula but there's a lot of great things that came like inside man with denzel washington okay you know that's like that's a diehard type thing again one environment one thing but here you know the villains have a little bit more motive than money you know i won't i won't get into all that but it's it, it is beautiful it's a beautiful cement foundation for everything and that's why it gets sad and i have to mention that in the, the best observation I've ever heard actually came from The Office. And Michael Scott was working as a, as a teleconference like a yeah. phone salesman at one point. And he ends up striking up a nice bond. And, and he just has this observation in the, in the bullpen of the, the sales floor where he's talking about why he doesn't like the new diehards. And Michael Scott talks a lot about diehard, very much like Joey and, and Chandler do. But he's saying, you know, the first one was so nice because he was an everyman and, and he was walking through glass and you know there was this like vulnerability to him 
And now he's like driving a motorcycle through a helicopter. It's like Fast right. and Furious. And it's like now all of a sudden it's it's ridiculous. And so he's like it's lost some of that charm. They've lost what made it great by making yeah. it too commercial. So again, I don't I want to separate it from the other ones. Yeah. You, you do have to connect them a little bit, but all the things that were great in that, I just I, I think it's my one of my favorite action. You know what gives ever. it a nice touch is that it's a Christmas movie. Yes. That it's set at Christmas yes. in L.A. So it's not like there's snow and it's defined to the season of Christmas, obviously. But, like, there's the background, there's the bells um, at some of the scenes at the start of the movie and at the end of the movie. Um, there's, you know, Christmas lights and things like that. The ho-ho-ho on the one. Yeah, the ho-ho on this one. So I think it gives it a nice element. There's been a new There's been a new comeback where those are, those are being sold now, the ho-ho-ho sweaters. I think what you mentioned before, Matt, is um, I enjoy that series of movies because of how ridiculous it gets as you know i enjoy fast and the furious in their franchise and the new heights that they took that to if die hard ever wanted to in some way incorporate the rock i think that yeah, would be the right I think thing that's what but we need. again i'm a big <laughs> fan of if you commit to the franchise you commit wholeheartedly you just go all in i watch die hard 12 you know it's such a i'm all in it's... i've seen them all which is funny that you're saying that's Going on record earlier, you have not seen all the Die Hard. I have not. I have not. <laughs> I'm worried actually, about, there's a lot of them. There's they're actually them. making another one. Die Hard Year One is what it's going to be called. Yeah. It's going to be a, a new John McClane. It's uh, John McClane now and John McClane back before Die Hard One, so it goes back and forth. No, I wish I had a pen. I'd movie, absolutely not write that down. Did the movie Die Hard create like the the die like I'm a Die Hard fan of this? You know what I mean? Did it create that scene? Oh no, Die Hard was was a term. Like based on the same, thing. it was a book. Did you know that? It was a book. I did not know that. No, it was okay. Die Hard was a book that got turned into a movie. Oh nice. Uh, some little things that come up in the movie that set it off outside of just the world of Bruce Willis are uh, the two Johnson FBI agents. Okay. So Agent okay. Johnson and Johnson, Agent Johnson, Johnson. Uh, that comes up in Live Free or Die Hard when he says I'm Agent Johnson and Bruce Willis goes Agent Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Well. A fantastic movie and, and at the top of everyone's list so I wanted to have some other talking points but it would definitely give some opportunity to, to have a full fledged diehard chop there so moving into shout outs and underrated movies I'm going to go to Mellow is there anything that was almost on a list that you just want to give a, a quick shout out to or something that you think is underappreciated that you just want to kind of throw some love at real quick I have three Okay. I, have three. I hope that's okay Go, go for it. Um, I liked Sin City. Not necessarily that he was like a big part of it. I just like, you know, I just like... Just Gal was hot. Kind of the first... That was the first time... Well, he's connected to her storyline. Like, they did that look cinematically, like that kind of look for a movie. That was kind of cool. Never I liked him in Hostage, even though that's just a complete revomit of other things. Yeah, um, Hostage almost made my worst list. Made my so. it's, it's just, it's just watchable. It. You know what I mean? It's just watchable again throw ben it on foster. a sunday tv ben foster the, the hollywood's crazy man right the guy is just insane Early lights ben himself foster. on fire <laughs> and you mentioned him earlier look who's talking and look who's talking to absolutely fantastic when i was prepping i i would have bet that they were on your favorite list they almost made it look who's talking. i, lo- I was great that. in it he's hysterical to your point his little one-liners like as a baby it works even better as a toddler. Is it ironic to you that he's in Look Who's Talking with Travolta and he later kills Travolta in Pulp Fiction? <laughs> and yet that was his stepfather. Do you think that they were do you think they reminisced while they were on Pulp Fiction about Look Who's Talking? Just about that process. Anyway. 
And uh, and then you know he continued his voiceover work with uh, Over the Hedge, which I think just needed to be mentioned as he is multi talented. But anyway, okay. all right, cool. So uh, shout outs and underrateds for you. Uh, Lucky number eleven. Really cool is, movie. Yep. Uh, now, again, not a Bruce Willis movie. Not a Bruce Willis movie. But he's cool in it. But he's cool in it, and it's a good movie. I don't think it gets the hype that it could have gotten. I think maybe a couple tweaks and changes there would have helped it. Um, and a cameo appearance, definitely not a Bruce Willis movie, but a, but there's a reason I'm calling this out in Ocean's 12. Um, so he I was, Honestly, that was the worst of those, and I can't remember him in it. He uh, he plays himself. He's Bruce Willis. Um, oh, that's right. He's when, like, you look Julia a lot Roberts like Julia Roberts. Is playing yeah. And the reason he was in it was because he was slated to play potentially Danny Ocean in the first one, George Clooney's character. Oh, okay. And then later on, when that didn't happen, he was going to be a part of the franchise. He was going to be Terry character. Benedict, I have written down on alternative um, casting, it could, who was the Andy Garcia. Oh, character. was it? Yeah. Okay, I'm oh, sorry. Okay. And then he was going to be somebody else on the line, but he couldn't get it to work out because he was shooting another movie. But they threw him in there real quick, and I'm a diehard fan of the uh, a diehard fan <laughs> of the Ocean's movies. So cool. And then number three, real quick, is Disney's The Kid. Nice. No explanation needed. Just, just, <laughs> just <laughs> continue. <laughs> so my my shout outs. You guys had already heard me talk about Pulp Fiction, which again I, I don't think is a Bruce Willis movie, but I I, I really like his storyline in that. He had kind of fallen off the beaten path a little bit. That was early Tarantino, where that was still considered an indie. So he was a really big star. All those guys were kind of big stars that saw potential in that writing and took that on. I think he has a really kind of gritty performance. And in that scene down there with the gimp is forever burned inside my brain. I also had Unbreakable as something, a movie that I really liked. Twelve Monkeys was very hard for me to leave off the list. I I, I like him. I, I I liked Brad Pitt a little more in that movie, and it, it, it's a little bizarre, and it, it's it doesn't really stand the test of time to me as much as ironically, uh, the Fifth Element does. And then for me, one of my favorite acting departures he's ever done is a movie called Moonrise Kingdom that was done by Wes Anderson. Have you guys seen that? Uh, no, but I I know the the feeling of the movie given that it's just Wes and uh -huh. I think he plays well into those when I was thinking of my alternative castings I think he fits well into that type of uh, he script. plays he plays a cop but he plays this incredibly sad and all the characters just constantly talk about like how depressing and sad this man is and he's in love with Frances McDormand who's married to Bill Murray and he is kind of trying to look out for this runaway kid this runaway boy scout and he just lives this very sad like drink milk in my underpants uh, at the side of this lake you know in, in this like little one room apartment kind of kind of guy and you're just used to seeing so much bruce willis bravado and so much you know where he's you know, he's got all this self-confidence and to kind of see him a shell of a man like no self-confidence and just trying to get by i really liked him and, and he's actually uh, one of my favorite parts but it's such an ensemble movie I, I i couldn't put it on a list but i really really appreciated him i remember he was because that performance was something i was talking about well after seeing the movie so some nice shout outs there some nice underrateds and let's bring it home with some alternative casting so uh about a 30 year career here in the alternative casting is a little light and which is kind of surprising and there's one on here which is just straight up blasphemy so we'll get to it I le i'm leaving it for the end so first matt you had mentioned some of the uh, roles that he was alternatively uh, rumored for terry benedict which was the casino owner in oceans 11. he also was rumored for the role of kyle reese in terminator so the guy mm -hmm. who goes back and and hooks up with 
the lady there. Uh, then Lester Burnham in American Beauty. So he was rumored that over Kevin Spacey. Ended up going to Kevin Spacey. I think they made a pretty good choice there. Fatal Attraction, the Michael Douglas Fatal Attraction character. Uh, Get Shorty, again, back to John Travolta. Ooh, so uh, he okay. was rumored for the mobster in Get, Get Shorty, and he's got that mob feel. Jimmy the Tulip, as you guys have seen. Uh, then Man on Fire. Denzel yeah. movie. Yeah, makes fire. sense. Makes a lot of sense. And then just straight up blasphemy, but somewhere on the internet I read that he was rumored for Alonzo Harris in Training Day. Oh, yeah, I heard that. Which is wow. just... There's no one else that could have ever played that movie and made it work. I mean, the movie could have existed. We, yeah. will, we would have never right. talked about it. Denzel turned that shit into an Oscar. There's no business for that movie, script-wise, to win Oscars, yet they killed it so bad in performances. So yeah, those true. were some of his alternative castings. Let's talk about some movies we feel he would have been cast well in, and I'm going to go to Adriel Mello first. I, like, back to my point, he is the everyday man, and I don't... I. I don't think he's that special. I guess is my point. Okay. Like for as many name a movie that he can be in. (laughs) For as many movies as that, I like that he's in. I just don't. I don't feel him like in terms of like Meryl Streep would have been great whenever she existed, right? People like Mm -hmm. that. Tom Hanks is, you know, phenomenal. Denzel, who I love, Don Cheadle. You could have put him. He could have been replaced by anybody. What else could he have been good in? I don't know. I don't want him in anything else. Okay. Just, I don't want him. I just punted I, on the segment. I was still thinking he didn't hear the question. No. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to pivot then to Matthew Battaglia. Weird choice because I have like four. Okay. Um, well, you can use some of Mallow's turn then. Dr. Grant in Jurassic Park. At Interesting. his age. Uh, you call it sci-fi thing. I wasn't thinking too much about that in my in my pre-work here, but I plays into your point. Um, not that I think Sam Nail did a bad job, but he's uh, the he would have played well as the the grumpy paleontologist who's a very normal dude. Who I gets, don't want kids. Who, yeah, who doesn't want kids? Who's in this you know sci-fi type of situation, grounded again? Um, I don't okay. know. I think it could be interesting. With the kids, he's worked with kids before. Haley Joel yeah. So he's he's been around kids that kind of mentor father type, trying to learn to be a father. Mercury yeah. Rising was another one where he's taking care of a kid. Okay. Action um, scenes he would have worked well in. I like that. Uh, given his age at the time of coming out, I was thinking about Tim Burton's Batman. As Batman. Because well, he does do that whisper. Does the whisper. Bruce, Bruce Willis does have kind of like that like whisper. And he had the same and he had the same amount of hair as Michael Keaton at that age, slightly balding. I think okay. it's uh, I think it plays well. And then my last one on here um was outside of the oceans movies because i said i you know i i always like to put people in the oceans movies big ensemble cast i'd like to see him play a football coach so maybe billy bob thornton's character in uh, friday night lights yeah, he does have kind of a coach aura to him and he's never and billy bob's character in that movie the way they wrote that guy was not to be that connected to the on like emotional level to the kids he's not like that coach where he's like giving like these you know beautiful words and he connects them he's mm. kind of still kind of a dick and he's that all about the game coach not all about the kids yeah and i think bruce Willis would play nice what about stuff. coach yost in remember the titans the coach that's been chicks shown. i don't want him taking chits well they've worked no. together yost, yost was sweater Bruce yeah, Willis isn't that speaking. sweet because yeah. remember denzel has that scene with but the, i like, could I see him saying he blitz boys. all night yes yeah. but that's all that's a very that's small very part small of part. yost yeah 
Yost! If he was, I mean, he could have played Coach Boone if history would have allowed. Well, for you it. played Wesley Snipes, so apparently he could play. <laughs> yeah. I think anything Michael Keaton was in, Bruce Willis could just take a spot. You can just interchange multiplicity. Those guys. He would have done great just inter- in multiplicity. Just interchange. He would have been really good in multiplicity. Just interchange She's Keaton and Willis. Steve. No one will know. Yeah. I like pizza. She's like <laughs> happy Steve. <laughs> so I have a few too. Going off of, and, and some of these are a little more obvious to me than the one. I, I took a bigger swing a little later, but uh, Agent K in Men in Black, ah, Grumpy okay. Cop, yeah. <laughs> kid, uh, God, kid, like a kind of like yeah. noisy cricket. All right. I could see him kind of kind of doing that and having that rapport and, and the, the grumpy old man cop agent. Also, again, sci-fi, you guys are starting to see a theme here. Yeah. I thought that would have been something that could have played into his strengths. Uh, the Taken Dad. Knowing that he had kind of worked with the fifth element guy he had written Taken. Ops guy. Get your hands off my daughter. I've got a very select set of skills. That kind of that, that kind of thing. I could see yeah. him I like playing him not, that. I like Bruce Willis not having a select set of skills. Right. Okay. See, so far, I think everything... Not so much because Keaton's a very run-of-the-mill guy, too. I kind of have the same opinion about Keaton. Like, nothing special about him. Everything you've named so far, like I feel like it would have been a little worse with Willis. But I really? get what you're saying. Yeah, a little worse. This one probably it's not it's you're probably gonna agree then or you're probably gonna continue that sentiment. Uh Riggs from Lethal Weapon. Oh, the wise cracking He would have been Riggs. So the think, wisecracking like Mel Gibson, guy, yeah. yeah. So I love Mel. Do you remember this? Yeah, but I'm saying say Mel was yeah. busy. I think he would have fit really yeah. well in him. <laughs> uh do you remember the scene? It's a very specific scene in when Mel Gibson is running down the highway, he's barefoot in a wife beat because he was just being executed or ex- electrocuted. Uh-huh. And he's running, he's got a machine gun running barefoot in slacks and a wife beat down the highway. In, in, in the same visual of Bruce Willis when the glass breaks and he's running, shooting the glass. Shooting the glass out, yeah. yeah. It's the same scene. But I think you forget, Gibson, I agree with you. But also just the wisecracking. And the that, that like but smart, that, the everyman, the smart, the smart ass kind of. Riggs is a little different, though, kind of comedy. It's not like um, the one-liners. He's, he's, more, he's like a little goofier. Bruce Willis isn't a goofy kind of funny. You know, like Mel Gibson does like, he's like, who's putting up? Uh, there's a part where Murtaugh, he gets caught with like his pants down. There's like this bad article about him, and he doesn't want anyone to know about it. But the cops keep putting it up on the bulletin board, and he keeps who the fuck who's putting these up? And he's like, well, I'm going to get to the bottom of this right now. And he takes it, whoever's doing this, and behind his back, he tapes it back up. Like, uh-huh. we're going to get to the bottom of this. Like, Bruce Willis can't do that. Yes, he's not, he can. He's not a goofy kind of funny. That's yeah. not him, dude. Have you ever seen The Whole Nine Yards? Apparently <laughs> not. Or The Whole <laughs> <No>. Ten. <laughs> there, he's just a weirdo guy. He's not a goofy guy. Different. I I think he could have I I don't I don't know if it's to the same level but I think right. it was a part that we could have he could have done it it just would have been a little worse I that's agree. my I couldn't find a movie saying, that he fine. made better so in my final one just based on some of the stuff with with the boxing some of some of his tenderness working with kids if you guys have ever seen the movie The Champ with John Voight no. where he's a he's a he's a boxing guy he's taking care of his son. He's trying to make a better life for his son, so you know he, he's taking these fights. Go watch it. I don't want to kind of talk about what happens in the movie okay. too much, but uh, it's just it, there's a tenderness to it, but also you know the, the, the skill of a boxer, the the, the the kind of 
the, the tough guy attitude that you have to have, the down and out kind of stuff. I think Bruce Willis would have, if the movie were made today, I think Bruce Willis might be might be an interesting choice. It would still be a little bit. Of, it's it's not very actiony. It's yeah. not actiony at all. It's it's definitely a drama. But seeing some of his work and some other stuff, I could see where he would have some success there. So. Let's bring it home. Let's let's make a case for what's your what's your case for Battaglia, Bruce Willis's place in Hollywood. So as I mentioned to start these podcasts, I, I come in a little torn, and I, I let the room help sway my decision. There's a couple things playing in this. I am going to say elite. Now, okay. not elite in the way we would say Tom Hanks is elite. Not elite in the way we would say uh, Gary Oldman is elite. But the point that I think uh, Mello made when we were doing the Matthew McConaughey Mac Honey podcast mm-hmm. was that he was elite because he defined a genre of rom-coms. I'm going to take that same approach in that he defined the genre of action movies, the everyday action man, the man's man, the alpha that led up to Armageddon and the alpha that he is in Armageddon. Bruce Willis, elite. Okay. Mello? I like it. I like it one because you just I have said, a problem you, with you that. You just said you, you have can, <laughs> can I get there? Can right, I get there? I'm right. being attacked. I'm being attacked. Can I get there? I want to start off by saying that I influenced Bataglia, and I know he secretly looks up to me, so <laughs> this was a great win in that I made a great point and that other people saw it. So while I've been saying that he's completely replaceable, and I don't, I, I think he existed at the perfect time, to achieve his fame, because I think if he comes on later, he doesn't get to it. He doesn't reach the same level he's at, if at all. You cannot take away what he did when he did it. You know, timeliness is is most of life, any kind of success. And he happened to be there at the right time, at the right place, to make Die Hard, to set up a new framework for the action genre. And like Matthew McConaughey, love him or hate him, he defined a certain genre and he has his place forever. People will remember Bruce Willis for years to come. So even though I don't think he's an elite actor that, you know, redefines a movie or makes movies better, I have to give him elite status because he is elite. Okay. I... Is it weird that even though Melo agreed with me, I'm a little bit upset with him for the answer? <laughs> uh, yes, but we, we, we are running short on time. So I'll wrap up by saying that... Bruce Willis, time and place, I totally agree. I love what he did to the action scene. I think there's been definitely a ripple effect after Die Hard. I think it struck a chord with what people wanted to see in terms of an action movie. I think there's a a place for that to be recognized. I think almost to use a bad football metaphor, he's a little bit like Adrian Peterson, and he hung around that scene longer than he needed to. He made a lot of bad action movies he's made way too many sequels for my liking to make me say elite he's definitely a hollywood icon he's only about he's bad so he has 32 fresh movies 43 rotten it's 42 percent in terms of critically good movies to bad again he's not really a critics guy but the stuff that i really like and this is just my taste but you know i'm kind of a drama guy i really wish he would have been doing more stuff like moonrise kingdom more like Sixth Sense and getting out of that comfort zone of shitty action movies, especially once he got older and it became more and more ridiculous that this 60-year-old man is just going to take down this entire operation, whatever. So 
I I wish he would do more stuff like that. I put him in in a lower tier. I'm no. It's been years since I've gotten excited about a Bruce Willis movie, and I think that has to come into play here. So I'm gonna make a case against Bruce Willis in terms of elite, but I very much appreciate him in some of those major iconic roles. So that's where I'm gonna leave it, you guys. I really appreciate you having having uh, coming on here and allowing us to have this conversation. Though we had some great moments, lots of high fives were handed out. <laughs> high Most high fives. So I'm gonna play you guys out with a fun diehard song, and I want to thank Matt Battaglia and Adriel Mello for coming on the analysis again. For me and everybody at the analysis, thanks guys for listening. To me with Holly, he came to get her back and to be her man. But Hans and his buddies fucked up the plan, and that's about when everything went sour at the Christmas party. And the terrorists were overzealous, but it was sweet when they killed Alice.